Welcome to the IncoTerms 2020 Rules Series by Trade Finance Global. Part 6. Delivered at Place, DAP. One of the rules for any modal modes of transport. The seller not only contracts for carriage to that destination place, but now they take the risk. DAP is simply not compatible with letters of credit because the buyer is not entitled to any document of transport. It's of no concern to them how the goods actually get to their warehouse. My name is Dipesh Patel, editor here at Trade Finance Global. Today, I'm joined by Bob Renai, a member of the ICC Incoterms 2020 Drafting Group. And this is the sixth part of this series. And today we're talking about probably my favorite Incoterm because it's actually my initials, DAP, uh, more importantly, delivered at place. And this is one of the Incoterms rules that can be used for any mode or modes of transport. Bob, let's get started. If you could quickly introduce yourself. So who are you, where are you from, and what do you do? Hi, I'm Bob Ronai. I'm a member of the drafting group for Incoterms 2020, and I live these days in tropical North Queensland in the country of Australia, way down under. DAP, apart from the claim to fame of being Depeche's initials, it was changed from DDU in 2010. DDU stood for Delivered Duty Unpaid, and I really don't know if anybody thought about it, but every one of the rules, bar one, is Delivered Duty Unpaid anyway, so I'm glad that that name disappeared into history. Delivered at place is assumed generally to mean that the seller is going to organised carriage of the goods all the way to the buyer's premises. It need not be the buyer's premises. It is the place which they've agreed on. Fairly typically the buyer's premises, but the buyer might want delivery to a retailer, delivery to a factory that they're building, delivery to another customer of theirs. It doesn't matter so long as that is very clearly specified in the contract. So what does DAP really involve? Well, it's an interesting rule. The seller not only contracts for carriage to that destination place, but now they take the risk all the way to delivery because risk always transfers to the buyer at delivery. If delivery is at the buyer's premises, that is where the buyer takes on the risk. Up till then, it is the sellers. Now, important with DAP is the goods are not unloaded from the arriving vehicle. It is the buyer's responsibility to unload. That would be typically at the buyer's delivery dock. They would arrange to unload. Another point to remember, and I'm not necessarily going in order of these things, but if the goods arrive in a container on the back of a truck, the buyer unloads the goods from the container. The buyer is not obligated to return the container empty to the depot. That is the seller's risk and problem and cost because a container is not the goods. The container is merely a means of transport. With 
DAP, the seller is the exporter. Even though they are delivering somewhere potentially within other, another country, they are not responsible for import clearance. The buyer is responsible for import clearance. And herein lies a potential issue. It's one thing for land transport within the Europe Central Asian landmass, where a truck will pick the goods up from Toulouse, pass through various countries and arrive in Tashkent. And the buyer has arranged import clearance. The truck might be sitting there for a day, an hour, I don't know. But when we start talking cross-ocean container trades, we start running into issues. Because what really happens when the goods get to the destination country, the container will come off the ship and will be taken to a container yard. It sits in a container yard while the buyer completes import formalities. The rule does not impose any time limit on these import formalities. But should it happen that the buyer, for example, does not have an import permit and therefore cannot clear the goods, there will be, I guess, determined by the courts, should it go to the courts, a point where the risk now moves from the seller while they're sitting in the terminal in the destination country to the buyer. Not only that, should the buyer take so long, for whatever reason, to customs clear the goods for import, and the seller eventually delivers the goods outside the contracted delivery date, because remember now, delivery is at the buyer's premises or their nominated place, and there's no other date. There's no date of shipment, no date of handing the goods over to the carrier and the the origin country, the only date of relevance here is delivery. So if they had to deliver by 30 November and the truck arrived in Tashkent on 27 November, but for some reason there's an impediment to import clearance and it took a week until the 4th of December, the goods were released, the container was released on the 4th of December then the seller would not be able to deliver within the contract and the buyer would be in breach of contract. DAP is simply not compatible with letters of credit because the buyer is not entitled to any document of transport. It's of no concern to them how the goods actually get to their warehouse the buyer simply takes delivery at their premises. The seller, therefore, would be in an interesting situation if they wanted to do it particularly correctly. The bill of lading for a container shipment would show the seller as the consignor or shipper, and the consignee would be the seller. Because the seller is going to take the container from the shipping line at the container terminal. Not the buyer. The buyer's not even named or shouldn't be named on the bill of lading. Occasionally, banks do attempt to issue letters of credit for DAP and generally get it totally wrong. They call for a 
a full set of original bills of lading. Well, the buyer's not entitled to them. They call for an insurance document. The risk is the seller's. Whether the seller insures or not is not the buyer's problem. So if a letter of credit calls for a full set of original bills of lading and an insurance document, the bank, in its attempt to cover a DAP shipment with a letter of credit, has actually moved the transaction from DAP to CIP, where the seller provides the document of transport to the buyer and provides insurance for the buyer's risk. That's not really the place of a bank to do that in a letter of credit. The letter of credit is supposed to reflect accurately the underlying contract to the best of the bank's ability. So LCs and DAP, not compatible. DAP imposes what might be unacceptable risks on the seller if the goods are sitting in a foreign country and cannot be cleared by the buyer. So what's going to happen to the goods eventually? Possibly they'll be seized by the local customs and auctioned. Maybe a month after they arrived, maybe a year after they arrived. Nevertheless, the seller has no option and generally would not be able to take hold of those goods and re-export them because they don't have the ability to export from that country. It will depend on the rules of that particular country as to whether they could get their goods back out of the country. DAP, not one of my favorite rules. Thank you very much for explaining the DAP in terms rule. And even though it's not one of your favorite rules, I still feel honored to have an in terms rule named after me. Just kidding. And, and for our trade finance community, it's important to recognize that DAP is not compatible with letters of credit. And we need to recognize the misuse of DAP when it comes to use cases with LCs, bills of lading, and other insurance documents. Thank you, Bob, for joining us on Trade Finance Talks. Incoterms is a registered trademark of the International Chamber of Commerce, and this commentary supplements the ICC Incoterms 2020 rulebook, which can be purchased through your local ICC branch or online. Rules on the correct usage of the trademark can be found on the ICC website. For more information on Incoterms, visit tradefinanceglobal.com.